As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, welcome to our multiverse. We're excited you're joining us for our new parody comedy series, Superhero Diaries. Hello, this is Batman. Well, sort of. I mean, I'm not one of those actors who gets to play all your favorite superheroes in movies and TV. I guess you would say I'm a parody version of The Dark Knight. Anywho, me and some of my super friends have decided to tell you what we're really thinking when we are doing all those crime-fighting Earth-saving, multiverse-hopping kind of stuff. We will reveal what's behind the mask. Our most private thoughts. Like, who's our secret superhero crush? Gotta go. Girl talk. We have to deal with real-life issues just like you. I mean, how does Spider-Man pee when he's wearing a Spidey onesie? It rides up in the crotch a little bit, too. Does Aquaman talk to fish before he eats them? What is the Hulk's critical review of Wonder Woman 84? And most confounding of all. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. How does a guy like me, with no superpowers, get through the week without getting killed every other day? All will be revealed when Superhero Diaries takes off on February 9th. Subscribe now, true believers! The ritual has been thwarted. The smoke has cleared out and the villagers dispersed. Taking one last look at the makeshift battlefield, the hero Shira takes a moment to reflect on the great summoned evil that was prevented and the damage that could have been. But reflection was premature, however, as an array of lights begins dancing about the forest and a portal opens up after all. Floating through, the android Amazo begins to compute this new world. Shira, knowing full well that time might not be on her side, leaps to action against this new enemy. Amazo, realizing that battle is here, moves forward to get this party started. It's the Princess of Power versus Armin Icarus. It's the most powerful woman in the universe versus the Injustice Leaguer. It's Shira versus Amazo today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic book, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gadsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. Ray, today 
we have a battle matching two characters from the worlds of geek culture that are, I think, often left out of people's top 10 most powerful opponents. You have Amazo, who is the ultimate nightmare opponent for the Justice League, of course, versus Shira, someone who is so powerful that she pretty much single-handedly can defeat an intergalactic and even possibly interdimensional evil empire. So, of course, I do the patented who would win, you know, Google test just to see how many people have talked about this. Lo and behold... No one is talking Whoa! about this matchup. It's crazy. By the way, this legitimately blows my mind because this is exactly the type of matchup that gets people who love who would win in these types of discussions absolutely hyped up. Ray, what are your thoughts in today's battle? Look, I'm a big fan of today's battle. I've got a little redemption because if you remember back to season one, we did He-Man versus Lobo. And I walked into that matchup maybe more confidently than any matchup I've ever had before. Lobo had taken a city, smashed it, and then ate it afterwards. And then He-Man... Uh, spoiler alert, somehow pulled out the victory in what would I would just call a sketchy, sketchy decision by our judge that day. Not to throw Philip Wilburn under the bus. Oops, <laughs> I guess I just did. My point is, She-Ra is a legend. She-Ra is a wonderful 80s heroine who's now getting a really hardcore, awesome anime-themed reboot. Maybe not anime, but new animation reboot. That's a better way of putting it. Sorry, kids at home. Don't yell at me. But so, but she, and I've watched some of it. It's great. It, it, they do a really good job with their storytelling. I think the representation and, and the way they do She-Ra is absolutely fantastic. The thing that really drives me about this match, though, is Amazo. Amazo is, quite frankly, an amazing character. You said it yourself. He stands up to the Justice League. I'll get into that a little bit later. When we're in the conference room trying to put this battle together, and we knew Shiro was already going to be on there, I'll never forget because we were stumped, James. You were there. We were stumped. I, right? Despite it's all true. the great suggestions and the garbage suggestions and the more <laughs> garbage and just a huge pile of garbage suggestions that were given to us by the people. You, like a shot out of the darkness, just from nothing. We're sitting there demoralized. We don't know. We can't come up with it. And you just pop out, hey, how about a Mazo? And the whole room was just like, who's a Mazo? And I jumped to my seat. I leapt like Roberto Benini. I jumped on the back of the chair and I screamed, yes, a Mazo. I've been wanting to use a Mazo forever. Why did I not come up with that? So, uh, James, when a Mazo destroys She-Ra today, you only have yourself to blame. You know, sometimes you come up with an idea and it comes into your head. And instead of, you know, taking a second to process the idea, you're just so excited about it. You just shoot it out and it's out there and then people latch onto it. And on, you know, the drive home, uh, you wonder if that was really such a good idea or not. <laughs> the reality is it was a great idea because I love a challenge. And Amazo is one of the most powerful opponents. So versatile. I'm not going to give away too much about this. I know you're going to do a great job with it. But I think it's a great challenge for She-Ra, especially how I'm going to kind of come about this. It's going to be a super intriguing matchup. Now, by the way, speaking of intriguing, Ray, you and I need to clear the air about something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's that pink elephant in the room. We recently had a matchup where I repped you, you repped me, and, and this amazing who would win matchup. And we brought uh, good points, great points, actually. We had the illustrious Robert Clark Chan as the judge. And all of a sudden, due to a technical issue, we never got a decision. I got to ask you, who do you think was in the lead in that battle? Was it James or, or, or Ray who was going to pull out the victory oh, in your opinion? Obviously, Ray was going to win. Because? Oh, I'm not saying whether it's me as the character you were repping or me as the person repping James. I just know one way or the other, Ray was going to win. 
Got it. Okay. So I, I kind of expected that answer. Again, the thought came into my head before I put thought into maybe not saying it. I, I you did. know better and than to ask me that question, James. I know. Fancy. I had to. I, I just want to say, though, I think you did a great job of repping James. I mean, after you would finish your point, I was I was kind of almost stumped. I'm like, I, I think Ray's got nothing against this this incredibly powerful, versatile fighter known as James Gavsey. With that being said, that was kind of our first Who Would Win match where we used real people. Uh, which James, got James, me... whoa, 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 whoa. Second, yes. second match where we used real people. Lest we forget King Kong versus Megatron in a previous season. I I you I I stand corrected. Thank you. Uh, we used our uh, Lord and Savior Megatron versus King Kong, where you rep Megatron. Oh, I, I don't want to talk about. about that. I don't want to talk about the ending of that episode. I'll just. Talk oh, okay, about well, that's the fair. Fact you're you're that just correcting me. Got it. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so seeing that this is our second, that was our second matchup where we used mm-hmm. real people. Uh, I started thinking about it. So Ray, if you had to, and there's reasons we don't use real people, you know, a whole lot in the show. Very good reasons. But if you had to pick a real person. Or real people, whatever it was, it's real people to bring into a matchup who would win. Who would you pick to represent? Man, there are so many good choices out there. You know, you could go from the ultimate fighting championships and go with a Hoist Gracie would be an excellent. I mean, it'd kind of be a boring who would win match because my points number one, two, and three would be he's just going to lay there and kind of grab your arm. And then, and then I win in the final <laughs> rebuttal. So that would be maybe not that good an episode. But, you know, you got to look at some of the, the greats. You got to look at Chuck Norris, the, the Kung Fu master. Uh, obviously, you know, using meme Chuck Norris perhaps would be a different thing entirely. But if we were looking at just the feats of standard Chuck Norris, even uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, I'm looking at a lot of these actors who do a lot of this kind of work. And obviously, uh, off the top of my head, Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan being a very accomplished martial artist fighting in the drunken style would probably be a heck of a lot of fun to rep in a real fight. You know, that's interesting. I, I've often thought, you know, it, it, like many people do, I, I look at Bruce Lee sure. as superhuman. And I often think like, you know, that that would be the person I'd love to bring in. I, I'm a, a huge Bruce Lee fanatic, love Jeet Kune Do and have done it for years, the whole thing. Love to also rep Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. I think Mike great. Tyson, yeah. Mike Tyson versus meme Chuck Norris may be the battle the people want that we'll never do. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Now, if we're going to do that battle, I think the better way to do it would be the Mike Tyson from Mike Tyson's Mysteries cartoon show versus yes. Chuck Norris's character, The Wolf, from the Expendables movies. We do that. I think we got a real winner. In fact, let's book it. I love it. That would be the ultimate in terms of who would win greatness. Now, speaking of who would win greatness, it's time to introduce our guest celebrity judge. Coming back for yet another episode of Who Would Win, it's podcaster extraordinaire and fan favorite judge, it's, you guessed it, Robert Clark Chan. Robert, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad that I'm going to be able to uh, uh, make up for the, the last time I was here. It was a little messy. I apologize for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah Ray. What happened well, with you, that? That's what I want to know, because, you know, you were yelling at your kid, and he had a cup of water, and then suddenly everything went haywire, and then I actually saw in the news later that night after we got off the air that, like, an entire couple city blocks here in Los Angeles went out of power. Like, what happened? I mean, look, it's 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 a whole thing. He is okay. He's a little precocious. He's three years old. Mm-hmm. I don't like to bring this up, but he's wow. just got some really weird wow. ideas. He's also a flat earther. So, you know, it turns out it wasn't just a mistake. He was actively trying to destroy the router because, you know, he didn't want the government listening in and like. I'm just, look, look, he's not stockpiling guns. That's the only thing I can be thankful for. Everything else, it's just a mess over here. Look, just, you know what? If you're thinking about having kids, you know, think think a little harder. 
Sometimes it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. I just wanted someone to watch cartoons with. Eh, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the router, that's where the 5G is. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just intrigued that the government is actually watching the Who Would Win show. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of fans we didn't know we had. Interesting. Got it. Got it. Okay. Listen, Robert, you know, we all know this. You're you're a man of many talents and tastes. According to Stephen Hawking, you are wise beyond words. According to uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you are quite possibly one of the most interesting podcasters in the world. And People Magazine listed you as one of the top 20 most handsome men for 2020, 1964, and 1845. So I got to ask you, Robert, why do you think you are adored by millions worldwide? I mean, first off, I know how to edit Wikipedia. So, you know, these sorts oh, of things... Clear. Other than that, like, I, I got nothing. I got absolutely nothing. I, I just, I, I wish I had studied harder in school, you know? I feel like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if that were the case. You, so- no, no, no. You were wonderful people. I love hanging around you. I just wouldn't if I were famous. Wow. Wow. You went from being really humble to um, being even more intriguing to me. I'm just going to put it out there. When I'm a mystery. Yeah. Really, that's the, that's the Enigma uh, package that is Robert Clark Chan. That's the Enigma burrito, yes. That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, quick question, Robert. Like, what, what would be the one thing you would add to your Wikipedia page that's not already there? Because there's so much. Space Knight, obviously. Space Knight. The fact that we don't have that technology yet is the single greatest disappointment to me about this future world where we have tiny, like, like supercomputers in the palm of our hands. And, you know, like, I don't even care about flying cars. I just want to be Rom. Read, Read only memory? memory? Yeah. Is that what, Rom, sorry, Rom, uh-huh. sorry. Oh, yeah. Rom, the yeah. Space Knight, sorry. What you, <laughs> how old are you? I'm trying to decide which is the, the older reference, the Rom, the Space Knight, or Read only memory, and I don't know. I do we not know. I'm, I'm Canadian, so we're about 20, 30, 80 years behind gotcha. uh, modern-day yeah. American technology. Yeah. All right. Well, this is this is cool. You know, we have a, a celebrity guest judge that is, that is adored, really is adored, by the way, all joking aside, by the Who Would Win fan base. You've got two great characters. You've got two great hosts. I'm just going to say it, Ray. We're great hosts. We've got everything we need for an amazing battle. So with that said, it's about that time. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Mattel, the heroine who isn't perfect, but we adore her all the same, She-Ra. And representing DC Comics, the android whose absorption cells work so well, he canceled bounty paper towels, Amazo. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Now, rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. So, Ray, what version of Amazo are you going to be using? I'll be using the comic books version of Amazo. There is like a cartoon version and some other ones, but let's face it, the kind of modern comic books now, there's some iterations of the character that have come a little bit later that I know James Gapsey would try to use in a Who Would Win battle, but that's not really who I feel is core to the character, the Tim Azo, uh, where he became a time wizard. That's not really who Amazo is. It just was for one storyline. So I'm leaving that off the table because that's just not what we do here, people at home. And if you think we should, you're wrong. 
All right, that's good. That That's actually a great version of Amazing Views. I'll be uh, sticking with the 1985 version or the 80s version of Shira. The latest uh, Netflix series is absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend everyone watch that version of Shira as well. But I'll be staying very clearly within the character confines of the 1980s version that we all love and uh, saw back then. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep an eye out for new shirts all the time. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with every plate, America's best value meal kit. The holidays are upon us. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients, and each recipe couldn't be easier to follow. With every plate, you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking. And all that for the same price as one cup of coffee. It's assuredly cheaper than that pumpkin spice latte. Last week, my family challenged me to make something great for dinner. So, I ordered the amazing hibachi-style steak rice bowls from every plate for my family. Super easy and super quick to prepare, by the way. Now, my entire family thinks I'm an amazing cook. And thanks to every plate, you know what? They're not wrong. Each meal gives you simple step-by-step instructions and pre-portioned ingredients to make it fast and easy. Hey, I've said it before. If you can build a bookshelf, you can make a great meal with every plate. And the choices are varied. I've personally made crispy Caesar chicken, pork and poblano tacos, and bibimbap. And all of the above turned out absolutely fantastic. Get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. That's just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. Try this offer and you'll see firsthand why every plate is America's best value meal kit. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And now, let's get to the tale of tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Amazo. Amazo is an android supervillain who first appeared in The Brave and the Bold number 30 back in 1960. He was created by Gardner Fox, Mike Sikowski, Jeff Johns, and Jason Fabok to be a team-wrecking monster on the battlefield. Dr. Anthony Ivo was obsessed with the concept of immortality. Because of this, he constructed a mezo using absorption cell technology to help him reach an immortal state. Amazo's first fight shows him defeating the Justice League by draining them of their powers and using those powers against them. Amazo has had several versions depending on the storyline, but all of them hold true to the central idea that he takes on the powers of those around him and uses them against them to great effect. Fun fact, the alternate reality DC comic Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew second appearance on this show, had their own version of Amazo. Yes, they did. In issues 14 and 15 of Captain Carrot, the crew encounters a character named Amazu, who has the powers and look of a dozen different animals, but with the same signature flat red head of hair, and I loved it. That is Amazo. Awesome. All right, here are the details for She-Ra. So She-Ra was first introduced in the movie The Secret of the Sword back in 1985 and was created by Larry Dettilio and J. Michael Straczynski. She-Ra was born as Adora, whom we first meet as Force Captain Adora of the Horde ruling Etheria. Etheria being a planet, of course, in another dimension from Eternia. Skeletor's superior, Hordak, had Adora kidnapped from a real family on Eternia, where she was actually, wait for it, the twin sister of Prince Adam. Crazy, Whoa! right? It's insane. Insane. How could that happen? Hordak raised a door, Hordak raised a door where she was firmly planted within the Horde's ruling empire. However, upon raising the Sword of Protection, she gains the ability to transform into She-Ra, the princess of power, where the truth is revealed to her. As Princess Adora, she then joins the Great Rebellion that seeks to free Etheria from the Horde. And here's an interesting fact about She-Ra. Did you know that toy stores didn't know where to stock She-Ra action figures when they first came out? It's true. Despite being an offshoot of the hyper-masculine He-Man line, She-Ra was officially described as a fashion action doll by oh, Mattel. Oh, fashion oh, action oh. doll. Yeah, Mattel. That's We need to, yeah, they need a spanking. A strange amalgamation of sword fighting and fashion. Because who doesn't want that, by the way? That left stores with a dilemma of whether to play She-Ra action figures figures near Barbie-related toys or among the testosterone-laced aisles of action figures. While some stores situated her adjacent to He-Man, Sears put her next to dolls in their catalog, and others split the difference and stocked her in both departments. By the way, nowadays, if you can get a She-Ra action figure within the original packaging, that's got to be worth a 
crazy money. Am I correct? That's got to be worth like thousands, one thousands of dollars. Probably. And now you have the right at least. Now you have the facts on both opponents. Robert, do you have any questions before we get started? A bunch. First off, you're going with 1980 Shira and not the amazing, amazing reboot that I adore. That I watch with my child. The aforementioned conspiracy nut. And we both love it. You're saying you're going with the 80s version. That is correct. There is a reason for it, though. Uh, Okay, man. That's, uh, by the same token, Ray bringing up Captain Carrot is already, I'm already docking points. That's outrageous. I will bring up Captain Carrot as much as I possibly can. What an amazing character. You know, I also have to point out, Robert Clark Chan, that you're involved with another fantastic podcast, knowing as half the uh, podcast, Indeed. where I believe you you have discussed animated series from the 80s. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Got no, it. it's fine. Fine show. Check it out. James, you're making a mistake in thinking that Chan likes those, though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Knowing as half the podcast. Oh, check it out. It's a great show. It's a good show, I hear. It is a good show. Two good hosts. I, I am excited, though, because I had no idea that uh, J. Michael Straczynski did uh, She-Ra. I'm a huge Babylon 5 fan. I had no idea. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? The amount of universes he's helped to form. Wow. Our childhoods. All right, Ray, go ahead and hit us with point number one for Amazo. Point number one for Amazo. Look, I want to set the table right now and show you kind of the upper limits of the characters that Amazo fights that Amazo has been seen to defeat because I brought up right away that his very first fight out the gate was against five members of the original, the original Justice League, essentially. So those five characters that Amazo fought simultaneously were Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and The Flash. And in this original incarnation, Amazo had the ability that not only did he absorb your powers, but he took them away from you and weakened you as he did it. Now, that's not really a thing he does in later iterations, so I'm not going to assume that he has that parasitic element to him. I'm going to be very clear about that. I believe he has the abilities to take powers, but he doesn't remove them from you. Now, maybe that makes him less good in the battle than if I was to pretend to do it, but I want to be authentic to the character and rep him as I know him to be. That being said, he was able to weaken and defeat those five ridiculously powerful characters of the Justice League, kind of in their primes, quite honestly, without really much of a problem whatsoever so if you can walk into a room and pick a fight with wonder woman and green lantern aquaman flash and martian manhunter and dominate them all why does anybody think you would have a problem one-on-one versus she-ra not to say that she-ra isn't very very powerful because she is but i would compare she-ra favorably to a wonder woman type of character there's a lot that they have in common from the great strength and speed uh, the you know all the the little gadgets and stuff that they use very, very similar types of characters. And he beat She-Ra, basically, and four other top-level heroes at the same time. That's pretty great. But not just that. The more characters that he fights, the bigger that he gets. Amazo starts as an eight-foot juggernaut at his base level. And if you keep adding more opponents to the level, not that we're going to here, I just want to mention it because it made me laugh. The more people join the battle, like Thanos versus the entire Avengers, etc. If if this was Amazo instead of Thanos, Amazo would have been like 30 feet tall by the end of this battle as he keeps absorbing powers and they keep making him get larger and larger. So as She-Ra gains in strength, Amazo will also gain in strength and size. 
He also has been able to use powers against other people. I'm going to get into that a little bit more in point number two, but the big impression that I want you to get is he takes people's powers and then he amplifies them and makes them worse. He was able to use telepathic abilities versus the Martian Manhunter who has those powers and he was able to dominate him. That's the equivalent of doing a sort of psychic attack that works in very, very well against Professor Xavier. This is just, you know, you go into people at their strengths and then you defeat them. Imagine what happens when he decides to pick on their weaknesses. My goodness at all. In fact, he was once able to tank Superman's heat vision, followed by the canary cry, and also Black Lightning's lightning. Any one of those three things would kill you. But he was able to bounce back from all three and keep fighting. And I mentioned just those five characters of the Justice League. Let's add Superman and Batman into the mix as well. He's also fought them with the other Justice Leaguers and come out on top. In fact, his battles against Superman are quite frankly legendary as he's able to shoot heat vision at Superman and hurt him. Again, strength versus strength, and that's how Amazo wins. So if this becomes a battle of power, a battle of strength against She-Ra, I just don't see how she can match up. And that is my point number one. Okay, so no joke, Amazo is very, very powerful and can become really dangerous really quick. Mm-hmm. So you said you mentioned like in his first appearance where he took on the five members of the Justice League. That was without Superman, without Batman, of course, and that was from the 60s. And then you said that that was when they were in their peak. Many, their I, think, I think many of the, uh, the the best versions of those characters, now maybe not physically, I think which is probably what you're going to allude to, but I think the most iconic versions of all of those characters come from that time period. Yeah, that's true. If you go to a comic book store and you say, hey, go to the average comic book person, give me your iconic version of Superman. They will go with the 1960 versions. Of course they won't. Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm gonna- to be fair, that's the version where the little homunculus comes out of his hand. And that is the uh, far and away the creepiest version. So that's the version that I always think of. Thank you. That's fair. That's fair. And who doesn't like a good homunculus coming out of your hand every once in a while? It's just a fun thing. What is here's a real question. What is Amazo's base level of power? Oh, I'm going to be getting into that a little bit in my point number two. I'll just say very high. Gotcha. Because the reason I'm asking is Batman has destroyed Amazo. Using you know his gadgets, as has Black Canary. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, what ver- like where is he starting off against Shira? I'm assuming it's at a high level, right? He's got a high base level anyway. But you'll get into that more. Okay, I think that's all I need to uh, know for now. I will put this out there though. Shira, physically speaking, is actually way stronger than Wonder Woman, which is saying a lot because Wonder Woman's super powerful. But with that being said, let me go to my point number one and let's talk about Shira's power. So before we get started, let me make something really, really clear with our audience, and and this is why I wanted to go with the 1980s version. She-Ra is not a female version of He-Man. Not at all. In fact, He-Man, as crazy powerful as he is, is actually a less powerful version of She-Ra. Yeah, I said it. That's exactly right, by the way. Listen, when I was younger, I remember really liking He-Man cartoons a lot, right? Because in Canada, we didn't have G.I. Joe or Transformers the longest time, so He-Man was it. So I'm all into He-Man, and all of a sudden, She-Ra comes out. And I'm watching it, I'm like, wait a second. She-Ra's like way more powerful and has different powers than He-Man and does and has different skill sets. She she's actually a, a better, more powerful overall character than He-Man at, at his peak. So let me get into that a little bit. So for of course she she has all of He-Man's powers. Of course, super strength and overall powers. It, it's obviously there. In one episode where in, in the Shira series where a village is on fire, Shira takes her sword, cuts around a lake, picks up the lake, and then tosses it 
in the air, like over a mile in the air, and in such a way where the water comes out of the lake because it tilts in the air, and that puts out the fire. Kind of crazy. That's a great feat, super powerful. Of course, she's got super breath. She could have just blown out the fire too, but what? You know, I'm not going to question her tactics. Let's see. She's got the same level of strength as like He-Man, who is super strong enough to pick up a massive boulder, throw it into space, and have it act as a cue ball to knock another massive moon out of orbit. My favorite dem- demonstration of her strength, by the way, she's in space and riding, I think, Swift Wind, her horse. She jumps off Swift Wind and drop kicks a moon. Drop kicks a moon and sends it flying out of orbit into space. That's how powerful she is. To put that in con- in context, Wonder Woman with Superman and Martian Manhunter and I think possibly Green Lantern had to all work together to pull the moon back into orbit. she did it with one drop kick. That's how insanely powerful she is. Let's see. What else? She can also move at super speed. And I'm talking not as fast as the Flash, but definitely Flash class. On top of all that, she's got a genius level intellect. She's got super acrobatic ability. And she's used that super genius genius acrobatic ability and flash like speed to figure out new tactics and new striking techniques. She came up with something in one episode that looked very similar to the infinite mass punch. Ray, if you need me to explain what that is to you in great detail, I can. Robert, I think you already know what that is, so I'm just going to move forward. There's a lot more to her. She has telepathy. She has a healing factor. She's also got that super breath I mentioned, and she can make that super cold as well. She can create hurricane-like winds with no problem. And if that was enough, she's so durable, she can tank massive explosions, projectiles, missiles, Moons being slammed into her, energy blasts of all types. Add this all up, you can easily see why that she's called the princess of power. And I haven't even gotten to the good stuff about Shira yet. That's my point number one. Now, there's a lot to digest right there. Now, I can see right now why you took the 1980s version of the character because much like He-Man in the previous fight, they got some feats. They got some weird feats that don't necessarily make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Uh, I would believe that she kicked the moon but the moon probably wasn't that big. It was just her up in the sky and she kicked it something like a soccer ball and moved it through the air because that's sort of how those cartoons tend to work. Now, that amazed. was a full moon, right? That was a full oh, well, size full, moon. Because if it was, if it was, you know, a crescent moon, she could have cut herself. You know, that's true. Let's well, real. she can tank that. Yeah. So uh, look, Amazo starts at a very, very high level. I'll get to that in my point number two. Now, Shira relies on her sword a whole heck of a lot. Yes, she is very, very strong, stronger than Wonder Woman. I think previous James Gavsey from other episodes of this show would argue that Wonder Woman is much stronger than Shira. It's just so funny that Shira happens to be on this episode right now. So now she. She's the one who's stronger than Wonder Woman because James Gavsey, you've said before, Wonder Woman is the second strongest character in all of the DC universe, which is wasn't true when you said it then. But it is true today as far as I'm concerned, because I need it to be. Got it. That's fair. And that's uh, all I'm going to say about that. That's fair. Just remember, Shira is not part of the DC universe in this character iteration. OK, Robert, you've heard one point from Ray. You've heard one point from me. Where's your head at so far with this battle? Honestly, Ray, you're getting smoked right now, and I get that like you're sort of uh, slow rolling it. You, you uh, uh, but a lot of the stuff that you were uh, spitting out, you then followed up immediately with. But I'm not going to use that because that's not you know really a thing. So I mean, basically all I got was that he he could fight Black Lightning, which I mean, don't get me wrong, Black Lightning's but and and yeah yeah, you're starting out with uh, all of this. Uh, Weird, the 70s were a weird time and did some real weird, like, uh, um, magic science hybrid stuff. And mm-hmm. so, like, like kicking moons is completely within that, within the realm of that stuff. So, like, uh, as, as, as far as we are right now, Shira is, is whipping, whipping butt. I'm sure that things are going to get a little more even coming down the road, but right now, no contest. Shira. 
crazy, bizarre, but yeah, She-Ra. No, that's fine. And listen, I wanted to start with all of Amazo's pretty weird stuff that maybe isn't as important just to set a baseline for the character. And I'm about to take it to 11, then I'm going to take it to 12, and then I'm going to take it to 25. So we're fine, Chan. We're fine. Just hit numbers you can count to. Okay, I'll take it to four. All right, Ray, you and I both know that you have a plan here and that you're setting it out and you're masterful at your plan. This guy. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I know, I know this, but so do I. So hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Amazo. Now let's talk about the baseline powers of Amazo because that's where we were going to go right here because Amazo has as his baseline the five characters of the original Justice League. So he has the strength of Wonder Woman. He has uh, some of the intangibility of Martian Manhunter. He's got uh, the willpower of Green Lantern, uh, as well as the ability to use a green power ring. We'll talk about that later. The, the strength and durability of Aquaman and the speed of the Flash. Okay, you said that She-Ra isn't as fast as the Flash. Well, good news, Amazo is as fast as the Flash and has actually been able to outmaneuver the Flash in a combat scenario. So you are literally taking the best parts of the top five original Justice Leaguers, putting them all into one ball, and that's where Amazo starts at, no matter where he's going from there. Because Amazo also will pull powers from his opponents, which has allowed him to do all kinds of crazy things, especially because he often displays traits of Superman even if Superman isn't in that particular issue or episode that Amazo is found in because it just sort of hangs around him. So you often see uh, heat vision being used, of course flight, of course invulnerability, and, and crazy, crazy high levels of strength. Now, some of the things that Amazo has done specifically to Superman I think are important here because I think we will all agree Superman's a pretty tough guy. Superman, if you get wins over Superman regardless of context, the cool part is he doesn't need context. He beats Superman when Superman was fighting with every one of his friends at the same time. <laughs> Because he's gosh darned Amazo. Couple of my favorite moments involving Superman, I just had to bring in here. He once picked up a meteor. He grabbed a meteor that was floating in space while he was in space. Superman was also in the orbit, hanging out, looking for people, looking to do things. Amazo took this meteor in his hand and he breathed on it, right? And he uses heat vision on it to create this super, super hot meteor in his hand. And then he threw it at Superman. Superman, you can sense everything, can move with the great speed, has the great strength and vulnerability, didn't matter. Amazo threw it so hard and so fast, it hit Superman in orbit, immediately knocking him unconscious. Superman floated down to Earth on the meteor and got drilled into the Earth with his unconscious body. The text of it even says he was knocked out before he hit the ground. That's You want to talk about strength. (laughs) If you could do that to Superman from orbit, I have to believe that you can mess with She-Ra just a little bit. And the other one that's crazy, Superman used to drive around in something called the Supermobile, which, again, a little bit like the (laughs) homunculi... (laughs) <laughs> it's it's from the silly aspect of Superman, sure. But Superman had his own supercar. And what's amazing about it is Superman flew the supercar near Amazo on the surface of the Earth. And Amazo is like, get out of here. He kicked the supermobile with Superman in it so hard <laughs> that he flew through orbit <laughs> and lost five days. He kicked him so hard, he kicked him five days into the future. <laughs> when they woke up, they had to check from the star patterns... Well, Jupiter was here now. Now it's over there, which means that we're five days in the future from one kick. So when you talk about battlefield removal, when you talk about needing to put someone down for two minutes, 
Amazo put Superman down for five days with one kick. A couple other things I want to talk about. He was able to use Wonder Woman's lasso against a metallic version of Wonder Woman, spun her around real quick, and whipped her into Green Lantern, taking both of them out of the battle. Big wins in quick time. That's what Amazo can do. And he also has been able to use the Canary Cry, because Black Canary is a common opponent for him both ways. So he's able to use a sonic attack of the Canary Cry, meaning that he has a very powerful ranged attack that has shown great power, especially coming from Amazo. In fact, he used it to knock out Steel, Superman Blue, and Martian Manhunter. Characters that you think shouldn't be killed or knocked down by sonic attacks, he used Canary Cry, took out all three. No problem whatsoever. So if we're at range, Amazo can do the Canary Cry, knock her in the next Tuesday. Heck, five days from now. And that's my point number two. Okay, interesting. So the Supermobile, unfortunately, I'm really, really familiar with it. I actually saw that as a toy probably like 15 years ago somewhere, and I had to buy it. And yes. it was one of those things I walked out with it and saying, I have no use for this whatsoever. It doesn't represent my childhood, no, I, but I just remember saying, I need that item right now. Now, that also had arms, correct? With, with fists and hands. It's real weird. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like a submarine in space. But yeah. It's a car, and Superman drives it with his friends. And it's a two-seater, right? It's a two-seater. Uh, it's not even side-by-side. It's, side. it's one. Ap- at, at least three. At least three, yeah. Because there were and three people in the car when he kicked it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Uh, so what year was that? That was like, was that the 70s or early 80s where the Supermobile was a thing? You know, I don't remember off the top of my head. I didn't look for the year on that particular uh, issue when I was kind of scanning through them. That feels like a, the 60s it, it to me. It feels like 60s or early <laughs> 70s. Yeah. It feels like someone doing something in the 60s that would come up with that idea. Yes, I, that tracks. Um, yes. Okay. The reason I bring that up is because I think that's an Amazo and Superman from a different kind of era. There's been a reboot twice, kind of technically three times of Superman. So I'm just wondering if that's the same version, uh, but that's cool. And the same version of Amazo. Okay. So are we assuming in your presentation here, Ray, that Superman's powers are part of the equation for Amazo? It's hard to say. Now, I have to honestly leave this up to the judge because I've seen examples of Amazo walking in, even if Superman's not in the issue with those powers, as if he has freshly absorbed them relatively recently. And I've also seen Amazo walk onto the battlefield in a separate situation without having those powers. Now, I personally believe he would have remnants of them because he does have remnants of the first five Justice Leaguers and the characters that imprint on him the hardest are active members of the Justice League. So I I personally believe that he would definitely have at least some trace of heat vision and other basic Superman powers walking in the door. I kind of have to agree with that because every iteration of Amazo I've seen other than one, which was a baseline Amazo before he got any absorbed anyone's powers. He was still very powerful. Don't mind, you know, mind you. And that's the version that Batman and Nightwing destroyed, took on naturally destroyed. And I'm like, Wait a minute, how how was Batman and Nightwing able to destroy Amazo? That's because that was before any absorption of powers had happened. Yeah, well, he absorbed both of their powers and got nothing. <laughs> they they don't have powers, right? No, they do not. They do not. Okay, gotcha. And the Canary Cry, is that also something we're assuming he has as part of his baseline? I've seen him use it too many times when she's not necessarily around. So I, I personally believe that that's another one because she is a Justice Leaguer in, in many of these things. He's often fighting her. It feels like it's a thing he would normally have. That's why I wanted to bring it up and put it on the table. 
Got it. Duly noted. I'd also kind of agree with that one, too. Not that I'm trying to weaken my case here, but, you know, sticking within the character, I do think the Canary Cry, at least remnants of Superman's powers and, you know, the five original members of the Justice League that you mentioned from the 60s, I think we're on the same page. Okay, let me go to my point number two. Let's talk about that sort of protection. Now, She-Ra doesn't necessarily rely on it. It's just that she's a master of using it. So to to educate the the listeners of the Who Would Win show, He-Man has his sort of power. Well, She-Ra has her sword of protection and it's just as indestructible as he-man's sword it has the ability to open portals send people through portals she can go through them herself it can deflect and absorb any type of energy you know blasted at her and and with the portal opening ability she may have an ability for a quick win for battlefield removal because that's something she's done to very powerful opponents within the series as well opening portals going different dimensions no reason she couldn't send a mazo there that's also how he's been defeated before within dc comics let's go a little deeper with this Unlike He-Man's sword, his sword of power, the sword of protection has quite a few different abilities. So He-Man's sword is kind of a conduit of the magical energy from Castle Grayskull and the forces within. And it's also, you know, a sword that he uses to cut down metal buildings and things. He never actually hurts anyone with it because he's He-Man. Shira's is very different, by the way. So unlike uh, He-Man's sword, Shira's sword can do quite a few different things. First of all, it can transmute or change into almost any type of object Shira can think of. She's transformed into a super strong net she used to capture very powerful opponents, super powerful opponents. She can turn into a boomerang, which is weird because she can actually throw her sword like a boomerang. So I don't know really why she needed both, but why not? She can also turn into a shield. She can turn into a helmet that she can use as armor for extra protection. She turned into a baseball bat. I don't, I'm not sure why. She can turn into a rope with a grappling hook that can extend from the surface of the planet into space to actually latch onto a large spaceship there, which she can then either climb up to or pull down to the surface of the Earth. She can turn into a lasso. And my personal favorite, she actually turned it into a tennis racket, which she used to knock away asteroids. How she knew what a tennis racket was, maybe that's a thing in Etheria where asteroids are coming, nail that sucker with a tennis racket. Ray, you're laughing. Obviously, you've never played the the popular sport in Canada known as uh, fight tennis, where you go outside with a tennis racket and you just, you know, pretend everyone's an asteroid. Her sword can also absorb any type of energy. Again, I mentioned that whether it's like regular scientific-based energy or magically-based, it can even turn into a flaming sword that I also think can shoot out magical energy, giving her that ranged attack. And if all that wasn't enough, keep in mind, Shira's sword is actually mentioned as being sharper than He-Man's and a state that can cut through anything. Because it's magic. Why can't it? So here's the kicker. Shira's more skilled at using her sword than He-Man is. It's a fact. This could be, I don't know, because of the combat training she received when she was Captain Adora. Remember, she was kidnapped and put into this military type of operation as a child, raised to be this ultimate soldier and warrior up until, what, she was like mid-20s, late-20s when she first became Shira. And and she's got all these combat skills and combat training that came along with it. So when she turned to Shira. On top of all the knowledge she downloaded from Castle Grayskull and how to use the sword, she also brings her military knowledge and expertise combatively into it as well. Also, the really cool part is Shira can actually use her sword in a very similar way to how Batman uses his utility belt. So hear me out on this. Batman can use all these different you know options and gadgets on his utility belt at a master's level. Shira can do all of that with her sword at a mastery level, except they're all super powerful and magically based. There's a reason why Shira has never been defeated. And, and it's not just because she has superior powers to He-Man and the sword of protection, but I will get into even more of the great stuff because this was nothing. And that's my point number two. 
Now there's a lot of good stuff. No, the sword is very, very powerful. So it is the sword of protection though, not the sword of offensive attack. Because one thing that is, since you're using the 1980s version of She-Ra, it is important to remember, she never used that sword in an offensive way. Now you could say that it's because the uh, standards and practices wouldn't let her cut people in half with a sword <laughs> or chop off heads or anything like that. But she doesn't use that sword, this iteration of the character at least, if we're staying in character, she doesn't use the sword aggressively. And I think that is a, while it is a powerful sword, she only uses it for utility and defense. And if you got a big sword and you're not swinging it at someone to hurt them, I almost think against a character like Amazo, that becomes a little bit of a liability after a while because she, her inactivity with the sword will eventually be a problem because the sword will just be in the way at a certain point. And you're talking about fight tennis. You know, I grew up in the Detroit area, so what you described sounded like Thursday night to me. So that's fine. I maybe haven't played your Canadian version of fight tennis, but I've fought people on a tennis court before. We all have our thing, Ray. Now, here's the thing. You're, you're absolutely correct. I don't think it was standards and practices from the 80s. I just think that Shira, you know, didn't like to uh, cut people in half, as you described it, except there's one little exception to that whole thing. She did use her sword offensively against the robotic soldiers of the Horde. Remember, I don't know if you recall, like Shira, all the robot, all the robots were, were like all had these cool personalities and these weird voices and all looked like buff men kind of thing. It was really kind of crazy. She did use her sword to kind of chop and slice and dice the robots, which means since Amazo is an android, you know, an artificial human being, more ro- robot than not, she's not going to have a problem using the sword offensively against her, against him. We're now at the turning point. Robert, this is where you tell us who you think is ahead and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Wow. That's, um, I mean, honestly, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit distracted by fight tennis, both the Canadian and Detroit versions. And I would honestly like to see the be- The next time we do Ray versus James, I want it to be on the battlefield of a fight tennis court. You can pick which side of the uh, border you're on. I don't care. I feel like, yeah, Amazo's coming on strong with the powers. A little concerned that Black Canary appears to be a major opponent of his because uh, as far as I I understand, Black Canary's kind of a little lower tier. So if he's fighting her a lot, that says that like maybe... He's not always as strong as uh, he could be. And well, Chan, let me answer that question for you really, really quick here. Because uh, Black Can- he fights Black Canary with 20 other people. Oh, I <laughs> he's see. He's not just fighting. He's fighting Black Canary as part of everybody else. And Black Canary, I would argue, much like the Dragon Ball Z universe, has Krillin, who isn't necessarily the most powerful character, but he has one powerful attack that can honestly like decimate anything. That's Black Canary in the DC universe. She herself is eminently beatable, but that Canary cry destroys high-level creatures. Okay, I'm feeling you. I get that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Shira, uh, I do love that sword. It turns into all sorts of crazy stuff. And so uh, honestly, like I, I really like the versatility of it. And I'm not too concerned that uh, she's not going to try and uh, murder him with it. I don't know. I don't really want to see this thing end in blood spurts like Fist of the North Star or something. <laughs> but I, I will say that, um, yeah, having all the powers of the Justice League is real strong. So it, it's closer I still want to say that She-Ra's just got a slight edge, but this is, um, yeah, we're, we're, get, we're getting to it now. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so, so Ray, you've definitely narrowed the gap here, and it's still anyone's game. So go ahead and hit us with your point number three. Let's see what you got. 
Point number three for Amazo. I want to talk about some of the specific ways that he's going to defeat She-Ra, as well as some of the other neat stuff that he can do. Because not only does he absorb the abilities of everyone around him, he can also create copies of the weapons, the very specific weapons of the characters around him as well. So it is not uncommon for Amazo to be walking around with his version of Wonder Woman's Lasso of Truth, Green Lantern's Power Ring and Hawk Girl's Mace all with the nth metal. Now those three items are three of the most powerful items specifically in the entire uh, entirety of the DC universe and Amazo regularly is seen rocking them because he fought against these characters and not only absorbed their powers but absorbed their items as well. And this is why we see him just effortless effortlessly whipping the lasso of truth around Wonder Woman throwing her up in the air and then throwing her across a battlefield like she's a rag doll. Absolutely like it's nothing happening at all. Now, the other things I want to point out here are some of the combat that Amazo uses because it's one thing to have all of these powers. You could say, you know, some of these characters we talk about on the show sometimes, you know, they have this litany, 20, 30 different powers as the course goes on, but they tend to only use one as they need it as a writer decides they have that power. Amazo, on the other hand, constantly is using all all of these powers of the Justice League. His imagination for using the Green Lantern power ring, in fact, has just seen him do all kinds of wild stuff with constructs, putting up barriers, putting up shields, protecting himself, using it offensively. He uses it all the time because he has a very high level of flight, remember? He's as fast as the Flash, but he could also fly. <laughs> She-Ra can't fly. That's also a pretty big deal. So you have Amazo being able to whip circles around her at flash speed, being able to hit her with constructs from a power ring, the Hawk Girl Mace, which is also huge. Another thing that he likes to do is he knows his own limitations and he knows that he really doesn't have any. So in one specific example that I thought was real interesting, he was fighting against Hawk Girl. And Hawk Girl, again, because that nth metal, she has the mace. She powered into him real, real hard with that mace and she domed him. She domed him right on the side of the head, caved in half of his skull with this very powerful weapon, with this very powerful mace. Amazo knew, based on the fight, that he could take that and regenerate from it pretty easily because he also has the powers of the elongated man, which is a plastic man-like ability to rubberize his body, which allowed him to tank shots from Superman at a certain point without feeling any effects of it. In fact, he tanked shots from Superman and then rubber band bounced Superman so he flew away ridiculous but he was able to tank this shot from hawk girl why because he knew he could take it with minimal problem and he wanted hawk girl at close range so that he could do something devastating to her so everybody watching this match is like yo why would he do that oh that's why he would do that because he bounced hawk girl immediately afterwards took her out in one shot and then boink boinked his elongated head back into place and said i knew i could literally thought to himself i knew i could take that that's exactly where i wanted her but the big thing that we're going to talk about here is with the ability to absorb powers and the ability to create items of his opponents, what is stopping Amazo from aping the power of She-Ra and taking the strength, taking the ability to create portals, creating his own version of the sword of protection to use against her? In many times we see Amazo takes the power from somebody and then dubs it back into them much harder than he was getting it from them in the first place because he's combining it with all these other powers which are off the charts so everything that james has talked about she were doing i would argue the famed argument of i'm rubber you're glue whatever you do to me bounces off me and sticks back to you 
It worked in third grade. I believe it will work here today <laughs> because there is nothing that Shira can do to Amazo that he not only can just tank, but then he can push back into her, much like Superman with the rubber band snap. And that's my point number three. Okay, good use of third grade insults, Ray. Glad we're, we're that's where we're going with that the show. line. Protected me from a lot of abuse, James. <laughs> did it though? Or no. did it kind of open you? No, I'm, that's, uh, I'm sad. Yeah, no, I, I, I've, I've done the sticks and stones may break my bones. And boy, my mom really thought that would uh, that would do it. Mm-mm. Oh, it didn't work. And now you I'm know, in I'm, comedy. So there you go. On, on a sidebar, when I used to get bullied, I'll never forget it as a six year old young James going to his dad and my dad saying, you know what? Just punch the bully right in the face. So the next day I went up to that 13 year old and I punched him right in the face. And I learned something that day. That there's quite a size difference between a 13-year-old and a 6-year-old. And, uh, yeah, it's a lesson. It's a life lesson. Never trust um, your dad. That's the lesson that I've, <laughs> I carry with me to my grave. <laughs> so many issues I've got. All right. So here's the deal, Ray. These are all great points you're bringing up. And oh, I know. Yeah. He, you know, I love how you went into the character. I love how you brought up examples. You definitely did your research, except for one little thing. Okay. Now, before I talk about my kind of... You know, where I'm going to go overall with the strategy. Let me just say this really quick from point number three. Shira has wins over Skeletor, Hordak, and every other supervillain thrown at her from the Masters of the Universe. We know who Skeletor is super powerful, main enemy, arch villain of, of, of He Man. Hordak, same thing, but actually was Skeletor's boss from the planet Etheria. And then there's Horde Prime, who was the Thanos slash dark side type villain for Shira from that whole universe, who is the head of the evil horde empire is what it was called, which is almost as powerful as the who would win empire. And I'm still taking applications for people, by the way, if you want a position with the who would win empire. So the thing is, she's undefeated and she's taken on the biggest, the baddest, the best, the most powerful within her universe. And she's defeated them all. She's defeated, you know, at least she was on the process of defeating an empire that spanned not just intergalactically, but interdimensionally. That's who she is. Now, it's not just because for her being undefeated and having these wins, it's not just because of her sort of protection and her powers that far surpass those of He-Man that make her such like a superior opponent here. There's a lot of other reasons to why She-Ra is batting a thousand and is completely and utterly undefeated. Is Amazo undefeated, by the way? Absolutely Amazing. not. Amazo's not undefeated. That is true, and he's not. And by the way, he's he's put out, he's got a lot of good wins, but he's not undefeated, and that counts for a lot. Like the Black Canary got up close. Did the canary scream, whatever, into his ear, blew him apart. He's been pushed through portals before. He's been defeated. Whatever. He's got some losses. So let me get to my point number three. Now, do you know why he's not defeated? It's not because of what he can do. It's because of what he can't do. So Amazo can duplicate almost any power you can think of. And Array, you really did a great job pointing that out. But Amazo does have a problem with duplicating weaponry of a certain type. Hear me out on this. So according to DC Comics... For example, if he tries to duplicate a Green Lantern's ring, Hawkman's Nth Metal Mace or Hawkgirl's Nth Metal Mace or Wonder Woman's Lasso, he would end up with something that looked like each of those objects, but would, to, in their words, would definitely not have close to their individual properties and capabilities. And that's because of the magical or supernatural nature of those three things. Green Lantern's kind of the supernatural, universal type of thing. Wonder Woman's Lasso is definitely supernatural. And the Nth Metal has definitely got supernatural roots into its power. It's kind of this weird thing. So Amazo, here's the bottom line, can't duplicate magic. 
Amazo can't duplicate Zatanna's ability to cast magic spells, by the way, and saying them backwards. Amazo doesn't have the ability to tap into magical power sources like Shazam. And here's the kicker. She-Ra and the Sword of Protection are both magically based. For example, if She-Ra needs a power boost, she can ask for one from the Sorceress from, of Castle Grayskull in the same way He-Man did. Amazo can't do something like that. Amazo's tech allows him to duplicate everything. It's nanotechnology, I believe, that where the, the nano nanobytes or whatever they are can simulate the cell structure or or the composition in a scientific way of whatever it is they're analyzing. Bring magic in the equation, they just fall really, really short. They just can't copy it. Which brings me to another aspect of Amazo that Shira can take advantage of, by the way. Amazo doesn't just get the strengths from the people that of the powers you know that he takes on. He also gets their weaknesses. You remember that, my favorite, it's gotta be everyone's favorite thing, when the Amazo version of Amazo in Justice League took on Superman and they're fighting, then Batman shows up and Amazo's like, what are you gonna do? You don't have any powers? And he's like, yeah, but I've got this and Scriptonite. And Amazo gets super weakened because he took on Superman's weaknesses. Well, guess who has a super weakness to magic? That's Superman, which means if you have a magic sword, that's going to cut you. If you have a flaming sword that shoots out blast of energy, that's going to hurt you. If you have magic-based powers, that's going to hurt you. That's going to hurt Superman, which, because now Amazo has his weaknesses, is going to hurt him as well. And even, you know, Shira's ability to create a portal and send Amazo through it is magically based. That's something Amazo can't duplicate, a magically created portal. But there's one more area where Amazo falls short. I know Amazo can take powers, duplicate them, kind of turn around a little bit and do some cool stuff with them. But you got to remember, Shira as Adora also, again, was Captain Adora from the Horde, the military complex, you know, since she was a kid. She's got tons and tons of training and she has tactics. She's a genius and she's a master strategist. So I forget which episode it was in Shira, but she was put into this position. She had to save someone, but she had to go through all these traps, not spring anything out and try to figure out how to save this person. She got through all the traps, figured out everything she had to do and then reversed it on that villain to save the people. She is that smart. She can figure things out on the fly because she she had years and years of experience of being a captain within a military where she had to do stuff like that. So Amazo will know how to copy everyone's powers. He'll know how to kind of duplicate and manipulate them, but he's not going to know how to use them like a pro. There's this instance in comics, I think it was the 90s, Flash is taking on this white Martian, right, which is a thing, who copied his, Flash's powers and was fighting him at super speed. And the white Martian, as his character said, hey, I can do everything you can. And the Flash said, you can, but you don't, you can, you don't know all the cool stuff I can do with it. You're just copying my powers. And that's where the Flash first used, wait for it, Ray, his infinite mass punch. Right? That's what uh, Shira's going to do. She's going to use her magical powers in ways that Amazo, even if he tries to complete them, won't be able to figure out because they're magic. She knows how to use them at a very different level than Amazo could. In the end, when you add up Shira's powers, her sword of protection, you know, the fact that Amazo has a weakness to magic and the fact that Shira is a tactical genius, it's pretty easy to see that Shira is going to win this battle. That's my point number three. Oh, James, you are often get things wrong. You got so much wrong in point number three. I might not, I might have to use the next two episodes to break down exactly what you got wrong because original Amazo did have some sort of weakness like to Kryptonite, but later iterations of Amazo, Batman himself said he has all of our strengths, but none of our weaknesses. He outgrew the weakness aspect of that power set. Also, you said he can't use magic. That is flat out wrong. Flat out nonsense. He used Zatanna's magic, speaking backwards the whole deal. The thing you said he can't do. If you look at the Justice League of America issue 191, he used Zatanna's magic to imprison her and the Atom in a rug. 
he was able to use her own magic and imprison them inside a, a physical rug. I mean, he's used Zatanna's magic actually a whole heck of a lot. So if you want to talk about a weakness to magic, uh-uh, sir, not today, not on my watch. Now, so he, well, hold on one second. Yes. Can she? Di- can she? Can he use Zatanna's magic to the same level as Zatanna can? Well, he was able to defeat Zatanna with magic. Did so she it's get hard out of the rug? That he can't. She got out of the rug. My whole point is that it's the levels. And the other thing, there's just so much here, James, because Shira did defeat, you know, Hordak, Skeletor, a lot of these characters. Did she defeat all of them at the same time with 15 other people of equal or higher power levels attacking her? Of course not. But Amazo has defeated scores. <laughs> of heroes fighting him simultaneously and all he does is just get stronger and whoop on him harder and harder and harder. And you talk about not being able to use it as effectively. I I think there's an argument that could be made there, sure. But you also have to consider he's an android with a computer brain. And an android with a computer brain will see all the permutations, all the iterations. There's one example where he's fighting somebody over to his right, casually reaches behind him and grabs a whole bunch of arrows that were being shot at him without even having to look at them because he's able to process information faster than the human mind can there's so much more but i am limited here so that's all i'm gonna say at the end of the day amazo is just too much he can do what shira does as well as she can or better and he just knows how to win these fights he's gonna kick her into next thursday literally interesting we've often said when it comes to magic and science what comes out ahead magic and that and Shira's got some of the highest level magic which is actually very interesting within the comic or geek culture so with that being said Ray you brought up three great points I think I came up with some great points as well Robert now it's up to you to figure out who wins this fight are you going to go with Amazo are you going to go with Shira take us through your process and tell us who wins this battle oh boy this is rough I'm telling you because um I got this scored big win for uh Shira over Amazo in the first round it was a tight Amazo win in the second round, and it's pretty close, but a, another tight Amazo win in the third round. So I guess, yeah, we have to uh, figure out what the actual scenario is. It definitely sounds like uh, we're, we're uh, able to just go flying up into space and just start throwing moons and asteroids at each other. I think absolutely Amazo is going to copy Shira's sword of protection, and uh, we're going to have a straight up duel with those. I think you're right. He's not going to be able to uh, copy all of the powers, but also uh, because he's so good with the uh, Green Lantern ring, I think he's going to find really new, interesting ways to use it. I mean, I'm talking beyond the uh, the uh, tennis racket with meteors. I think he's going to be uh, creating all sorts of interesting new ways to shoot at her and uh, uh, whack, whack her over the head. Big ol' uh, The Mask mallet. Why not? Yeah, yeah, this... Uh, I, I think that his powers are going to scale up and they will, uh, it's going to be, yeah, nanotech versus magic. But boy, boy, I, f- I, I feel like the 80s wackadooness of the children's cartoons have fewer logical uh, restrictions over them than Amazo does in this comic book realm. I think I think that Amazo, one of the things that his sword, his copy sword will not be able to do is handle portals. And I do think that uh, Shira is gonna manage to whip up a portal, turn that sword into a baseball bat and crack him 
right into it. He's going to go into another dimension. That's battlefield removal. Shira takes Amazo by a hair. Oh, thank God. That's absolutely outrageous. Oh, thank God. That is ridiculous. Oh, thank God. You know, it's so How funny. How dare you? I did the math, and it's so funny. The first thing I came up with, which I tossed in a piece, I wrote down a piece of paper, tossed in the garbage. It literally said, baseball bat plus portal equals win. I never <laughs> thought that would be the combination, that we'd be on the same page for this. I really thought you were going to go with the Canadian tennis. But, uh, wow. And I got to tell you, Ray brought up a great third point. Ray, you kind of knocked me flat with your third point. Thank God we have a Robert Clark Chan as judge. This was this is massively disappointing. The people at home obviously could feel the pain that I, and anguish that I am feeling right now because again, there's nothing Shira can do that Amazo can't do better and think faster. He can fly with the speed of the Flash, which she cannot do. He has the invulnerability of of Superman, which she does not have. Look, I, you know one good thing that Shira does have going for her is is the fact that nobody's defeated her in battle. That was one of the big things I went to go in my research today. Is well, I'll just find a way that Shira's been defeated, and I'll find five ways. Amazo will defeat her that way using the exact same ability. But since she doesn't have a loss on the record in the 1980s cartoon, that you know, she's been put in peril many, many times. Yes. But she doesn't have an outright battle loss. I would chalk that up to being her enemies, just not up to her level on any. Because <laughs> as we learned, that there are certain cartoons from that era where they didn't want the villains, they wanted it to be a little scary, but they didn't want them to give people nightmares, give kids nightmares. So they couldn't be too scary. That's why Skeletor has a funny voice, even though he's got a skull head at the end of the day i don't think her opponents match up if she faced amazo she would get her clock cleaned though 10 ways to sunday chan knocking her into a portal is great except for the fact that you know the elongated man example that i gave you he would just bounce her back if she tried to hit him that way not mention the fact that he's got flash speed to go around the portal i i look. are you saying that bouncy if he turns himself into a bouncy ball and gets what happens when you, you smack you. a bouncy ball with a baseball bat. Thank you. What happens when you, you smack a bouncy ball with Superman's invulnerability and immovability attached to it is you go backwards. That's how physics happen, Chan. Tell me, tell me this. Does Amazo, can Amazo duplicate Swift Wind's love? Thank you. I didn't even bring up Swift Wind. I just felt it was too similar. To no, you shouldn't have, but it's right near the back of my head. Thank you. I mean, the answer is regrettably no. <laughs> Uh, I got to tell you, Ray, I was the moment I said Amazo in in the uh, production meeting as an opponent, I was like, oh, no, are you kidding me? I just said that I was so regretting it because you you do you did rep him really well. You did your research. You killed it. And, and you know, normally the the hashtag IMF is working for me, but you actually blew right through it this time. And yet somehow I still got the win. That's all I'm going to say about that. Have I ever accepted a character faster than after you said Amazo in the boardroom? That was the quickest I've ever seen you say yes, other than our first meeting when I said, can I buy you lunch? Yeah, I well, no, that was that was the fastest I've ever thought yes in my life. But you said Amazo. I literally shouted the word yes, and then I ran from the room. That's right. I couldn't say, hey, well, maybe there's... No, that was gone. That was absolutely... It. See, and the thing is, with the, the latest Netflix series, as and I don't want to... No, no spoilers whatsoever. As great as it is, when you got to think of, you know, Amazo is your opponent, I went to the drawing board, and I'm like, either latest series or 1980s magic, I'm going with the 80s. Look, I, it was the right call. I love that new series, but yeah, she is way depowered from the 80s version. And uh, yeah, Amazo is is a really cool character. I'm not going to lie. I, I, uh, uh, it's li- like I said, though, like just 80s cartoons just get so weird. It's real hard to, to top those those uh, feats. 
It, it, it's weird. It's, you know, I, I did something I'm not proud of in one of our first battles, Ray, and uh, where it was Megatron versus King Kong. And I, I found this YouTube video of all the times Megatron yelled retreat. I remember. Right. You know, he, he yelled retreat once they got hit with fire foam, fire retardant foam. That's it. Fire retardant foam. Nothing happened. They didn't start shutting down fire retardant foam. And they're like, retreat. And I use that as my final point, which was very, very cheap. That's why I felt it was a good tactic to go with uh, the 80s again today. Cheapness. I have no response. Cheapness. All right, Robert Clark Chan. Again, I see why Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, thinks so highly of you. Yet again, He's you've come onto man. the show. He is a kind man. And, and you've come onto the show and also proved why to the whole fan base of Who Would Win, of why you're so amazing. Please go ahead and tell everyone where they can find the awesomeness online that is Robert Clark Chan. Well, uh, you got the podcast, Knowing Us Have the Podcast. Real fun show. We just talk about old cartoons. And, you know, even if you've, if you've never heard of them, let me make you want to uh, give them a try because they're bonkers. They're nuts. And we recap them so that you, you get the, what's going on. If you like wrestling, uh, I do a podcast called AE Doubleback where we watch uh, AEW Dynamite Wednesday nights. And, uh, you know, you get to uh, hang out with some people. You know, if you're stuck alone in quarantine, just sadly watching uh, wrestling by yourself instead of like with your friends eating pizza, eat pizza with uh, us in your in your podcasting ears. We also uh, watch some other shows, too. We watched uh, Bloodsport, and I think we're going to be watching maybe some Japanese wrestling. It's just a lot of fun. Got a podcast called My Three Dads, which is, uh, you know... Uh, yeah, talking about dads with Ray Stacanis and Marshall Givens, who is f- flat out Marshall is funnier than anybody here, including myself. Wow. So, you know, just know that, that it's a, it'll be a good time for all. And uh, online at 999 RPMs on Twitter, if that's, if that's your thing. Very cool. Ray, wow. Wow. This might have been the best example of research and preparation you've ever had for a battle. You should definitely feel like this is at least on some way a moral victory for you. Tell the audience right now what's going through your mind. I don't feel moral victories, James Gavsey. Look, I know for a fact that I put a winning argument on the table. And I think at the end of the day, I just had the wrong judge in front of me for it to penetrate. I know Robert Clark Chan... I know what an uphill battle facing a character like She-Ra is because of how important those characters were to his childhood. This is another example of fighting someone's childhood. And I thought if there's a childhood I could defeat, it could be Robert Clark Chans. And if there's a character I could defeat it with, it would be Amazo. Regrettably, that was not the case today. That's why hashtag Ray was robbed. You could put it out there. Put it out there to the high heavens. Put it out there with Amazo's head on every other superhero that you could possibly find, you Photoshoppers out there, and have him shouting, Ray was robbed, Amazo's head on Batman's body, Amazo's head on Superman's body, any character you can think of. Let's put Amazo on there. Let's say Ray was robbed. You can find me on Twitter, at Almighty Ray. You know, I think, uh, you know, this past week, someone came up with the term hashtag James Magic, and I felt like, you know, that is not deserved until today. There was some magic in today's episode. I'm not going to lie. Not sure I was going to pull it off, but there was some magic. I think it was hashtag Robert Clark Chan magic, but I'll go with hashtag James magic. Thank you for that. Yeah. You like that one? That- the one time I need your kid to throw water at the router. 
And I don't get it here. That would have been a good time. That would have been a good time. All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gads. You remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. And check out the Who Would Win website at www.whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Race Decanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters? You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. GuttingTheSacredCow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.